0: Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is May the 5th, 2017. Uh, as was pointed out to me earlier today on the Gary Sutton Show, when I was a guest on his program, it is Cinco de Mayo. Um, and so here we are. And today is also a very important day in history. It is the anniversary of Alan Shepard, America's uh, first astronaut, to uh, do a suborbital flight. Um, back in 1961, and I remember listening to it in my typing class in junior high school on this loudspeaker because the principal decided that we should all witness history. You know, I subsequently got letters from Shepard Grissom and met some of the astronauts, but today is always a special day from that historical perspective as well. In any event, I hope that you've all been having a great week. Hope that all is well in your world as we play that game of catch-up at the end of this week. Certainly much to talk about. I want to thank you for joining me. For those of you familiar with me, familiar with my program, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the INS, and every week I try to provide you with perspectives and insight on immigration and how it impacts America, Americans Uh, and a host of other issues because it is so significant to uh, virtually every challenge and threat that America and Americans face in this dangerous and turbulent world. Uh, Again, if you're familiar with me, you know that I write for a number of websites. I write for capsweb.org, Californians for Population Stabilization. I write for Front Page Magazine, and I write for The Social Contract. And, of course, my website, michaelcutler.net. Moving right along, what I want to talk about, at least in the beginning, is the fact that, incredibly, the Congress, controlled by the Republicans, could not add the money for the border wall to the budget. And this is not a left-right issue, because 10 years ago, the Democrats voted for building a fence along the border. And suddenly, the Democrats are opposed to it, and the pusillanimous Republicans could not alter the um, dynamics of this conversation. Um, And and some of the language has been unbearable. Senator Menendez from New Jersey referred to it as a wall of hate, saying that the construction of a wall would end um, commerce between the United States and Mexico. Patently false. The fence was supposed to or the wall was supposed to make certain that all commerce flows through ports of entry. It's not designed to block ports of entry. And if you listen to the nonsense being spewed in the mainstream media by the politicians, pundits, by the pollsters, by the people who have opinions without facts to back up their opinions, too much of that in the media these days, you realize the scope of the problem that we are today facing. And so here we are in a situation where America faces threats of terrorism, massive quantities of heroin and other dangerous drugs flowing freely into our country, not just across the Mexican border. You know, as I've been saying ever since I've taken my show on the road, so to speak, we are a nation of 50 border states. People and cargo flow into America across the Mexican border, both legally and illegally flow into the united states through the canadian border legally and illegally through our coastal region both legally and illegally and through our international airports altogether the united states has 325 ports of entry uh, if you include international airports seaports and the land border crossings so there's no shortage of ways and places through which the drugs uh aliens and other contraband gain entry into the United States. But the Mexican border, 2,000 miles long, um, is probably the most hotly contested border in the civilized world, Um, and I have to draw that distinction because you look at the situation with North Korea and South Korea, certainly that DMZ, that demilitarized zone, uh, is, is glowing at this point. Um, But the Mexican-U.S. border is an interesting border because it's the only place on the planet where the first world and the third world collide. We have a much longer border with Canada. It's a dangerous border, but the difference between the Canadian border and the Mexican border is that we work very closely, 100% of the times with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and other law enforcement agencies of Canada. I know I had the privilege of working with them for many years. Uh, When I was assigned to DEA Intelligence, I, in fact, had a member of the RCMP sitting three desks over from me, and um, when I became part of the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, we frequently worked with the RCMP, with British Customs, with other foreign governments. The Mexican government does extend cooperation to us, but it's not always the kind of cooperation that we would hope that it should be, so it's a very different set of circumstances, and We also know that Latin America, and this never makes it into the media, but Latin America is home to terror training camps in the tri-border region of Brazil, where Brazil abuts with Argentina, Paraguay. I spoke about it last week. I've been writing about it. But you don't see this anywhere else. And last week, if you listened to my program or if you listened to the podcast, you know that an individual from Pakistan by the name of Sharif Ali Khan pleaded guilty to smuggling aliens into the United States from the Middle East through Brazil. He went to Brazil, acquired Brazilian residency, and then moved aliens from Afghanistan, from Bangladesh, from Pakistan, from other problematic countries into Brazil as a staging area, and then he moved them into Panama and ultimately up through the Mexican border. But here's the point that you need to know. Now, nothing in the indictment, indicated that any of those aliens went to the terror training camps located in brazil but why brazil you know with all the possibilities the idea that he moved them through brazil that we know about the terror training camps according to a washington times report at least one of the individuals that he smuggled during a two-year period was known to have a relationship with the taliban clearly this is a problem And even if this smuggler wasn't using the tri-border region of Brazil in that fashion, we know that this guy was one of God knows how many smugglers. You know, when somebody gets pulled over for speeding on the highway, generally that person wasn't the only speeder. It was the only speeder to get caught at that moment. So the Mexican border is certainly a place where there's a lot of traffic. A lot of it has been cut down because of the policies of the uh, Trump administration, you know, I call this deterrence through enforcement. But nevertheless, that border is a dangerous border, providing access to our country by criminals, by terrorists, by nar- by narcotics, the travel traffickers. We also know that uh, we have a hot situation brewing with North Korea. And if you don't think they wouldn't want to move their operatives, their saboteurs and spies into the United States, you're crazy. You have to be naive. And uh, again, I have no direct knowledge right now, but again, that Mexican border could become a convenient means of moving their people into the United States covertly. We do know that there are many people being caught along that that U.S.-Mexican border who are not Mexican and not even from Latin America. So with all that's going on, how anybody could say, we don't care about the the wall on the border, Uh, it's just impossible to fathom either the level of stupidity, insanity, or corruption that we're dealing with. You know, I often joke that when I've been before congressional hearings, I had the urge uh, to distribute handcuffs, dunce caps, and straitjackets to all too many of those members of Congress. When you could sit there and have an argument today about whether or not we need a wall on the border, I don't even know what we could possibly say at this point. It costs too much money. What did 9-11 cost us? What happened in San Bernardino? What happened up in Boston? And yes, those aliens did not run the Mexican border. And this is something I keep on insisting. We have to do a lot more than just that. But it is still a vulnerability, and it's a huge vulnerability. And yet the Democratic Party refuses to support the construction of a wall. And if you want to talk about the money, then look at the remittances, the money being wired home by the drug traffickers, and by workers working illegally in the United States. The numbers are staggering. That would more than pay for the wall. When you look at the amount of money that, it, that the federal government is attempting to seize from um, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, arguably the most pernicious drug dealer in quite some memory from, from Mexico, Currently being prosecuted in the Eastern District of New York, right here in Queens, New York, this guy apparently moved so much narcotics that the federal government is attempting to seize roughly fourteen billion with a B, fourteen billion dollars in assets. That would certainly represent one hell of a down payment on the border wall. And we're looking at the heroin overdoses, and of course in the media they keep calling it opioid. Once in a while they'll use the word heroin, opioid. Yes, and it does start out very often with people getting hooked on prescription drugs, and you have to wonder about the malpractice of doctors that prescribe these drugs the way they've been prescribing them. But generally, once hooked on opioids, the people that can't get the prescriptions or can't pay for the opiates go on to heroin, which is dirt cheap because the supply is virtually limitless. And while they might talk about heroin, might talk about it, when was the last time on the news that anybody talked about how easily heroin is smuggled into the United States? We do not manufacture heroin or cocaine in the United States. All of those poisons are smuggled into the country, whether it's across the Mexican border, the Canadian border, seaports or concealed in airplanes or, or baggage or vehicles. The point is it's being smuggled in. The drug money is huge it's damaging the economy the destruction to life unbearable we have narcan being provided to school nurses narcan of course is the antidote to heroin overdoses being pres- being uh, made available to school nurses in public schools with that magnitude a problem this isn't just nonfeasance. it's malfeasance by any politician who thinks that the u.s government doesn't have a responsibility that border and make certain That everything possible is done To prevent the flood of heroin Entering the United States Because also understand That the proceeds from the drug trafficking Goes right into the coffers of drug cartels And into the coffers of terrorist organizations This is not a joke It's not a minor issue These are existential issues The survival of America as we know it Are on the line And yet Talk about a wall, and immediately the accusations begin. Oh, this is about racism. This is about bigotry, and on and on and on. Tell that to the parents who've lost children to heroin overdoses. Tell that to the family members of people who've been killed by drug cartel members or people committing crimes to get the money to buy the drugs because they are addicted. Tell that to the people whose kids have turned to a life of crime to feed their habits whether it's prostitution whether it's street crime doesn't matter the number of casualties when you consider it from that perspective is devastating and yet any discussion about securing the border immediately gets you labeled as a xenophobe as a racist as a bigot as a hater not for saying don't let people in from mexico but simply saying let's make sure that when people enter the United States, they come through a port of entry. The United States spends $14 billion a year on customs and border protection. That includes the inspectors at the ports of entry. I did that job for the first four years of my career. It includes the border patrol. It includes the support personnel. It's also the expense for running the inspectional facilities, the computer systems, the office space, and so forth. It makes no sense to make a mockery of the legal system while the legal system is struggling to keep up and do its job effectively. And and so when when I, I look at this whole perspective, any rational person has to look at this and wonder at the sanity of our alleged leaders. And therein lies the problem. Nobody is being made accountable. And I don't believe anybody during the Second World War argued that the cost of the atom bombs was too great. Um, Certainly there might have been debates about whether or not we should use them, and given the circumstances, I don't believe our leaders had any alternative, but I'm not going to get into that conversation today. But the point was we spared no expense. Fleets of B-29 bombers, fleets of submarines, fleets of P-51 Mustang fighter planes, P-38 Lightning fighter planes. I can go down the whole Inventory of military hardware that cost a fortune, and nobody said we can't afford it. They 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 sold war bonds to be able to to buy what we needed to buy to win the war. What we're doing now is half-ass. What we're doing now is piddling around instead of recognizing that there's an existential threat from the gangs, from the terrorists, from all these problems we face, and saying okay let's secure the borders, let's make certain we have vibrant but legal trade, fair trade. What we're hearing is, don't you dare suggest we secure those borders, because then you're a bigot. This is a level of insanity that I find hard to believe. I've been around for quite some time. And in 1971, when I was first sworn in as an immigration inspector, uh, I could not have imagined that back then things would evolve to where they are today where you have communities now there was one in i believe it was georgia a small town we're not going to cave into the bullies of ice the bullies the ice agents are doing an important job if you look at the 9-11 commission staff report on terrorist travel if you look at the 9-11 commission report itself <clears throat> those reports made it clear that first and foremost First and foremost, the failures of the immigration system, multiple failures, enabled the terrorists to enter the United States and embed themselves in the United States. Had the immigration system worked the way it should have worked, 9-11 would not have been possible. Had the immigration system worked the way it should have worked, the Boston Marathon attack should not have happened. If the system had worked, San Bernardino would not have happened. And so you look at this, you look at the carnage, you look at the constant uh, accounts of terror attacks in Europe and elsewhere, and you have politicians playing Russian roulette with American lives over a political agenda and a political goal and over the demands of the United States Chamber of Commerce that wants a limitless supply of cheap foreign labor, foreign students, and foreign tourists. And Americans and others inside the United States are paying one hell of a price, often costing people their lives as well as their livelihoods. How in the world is it a matter of racism or bigotry to insist not on sealing the Mexican border against trade, but against illegal trade? Lately, I've been doing a lot of appearances on um um, Newsmax Television is very happy to do it I just did a lengthy segment yesterday I hope to do more um, I've been on the Dana Show And One American News Network The cool thing about those outfits And this is something that you probably don't know if you, Unless you've been on TV <clears throat> Is that the other networks do pre-interviews They call you up Mr. Cutler we're doing a program About whatever And they give you the topic Would you like to come in and weigh in Sure I would Great What do you think you want to say? And if you say something that's off the beaten path, in other words, you're being censored, then the invitation is withdrawn. That does not happen at Newsmax. It does not happen at One American News Network. It does not happen on on the Blaze TV, on the Dana Loesch program. I love doing Dana's show. They simply call me up and say, these are the topics we're looking to discuss. Are you interested? And if I say, yes, I am, then we arrange generally through Skype to do the interview. It's a very big difference between doing things that way, being asked what do you plan to say, and then finding out that the invitation has been withdrawn. And so I was on with Bill Tucker the other day, and I said, you know, we might be a nation of immigrants, because we keep hearing this. That's one of the big arguments. America is a nation of immigrants. But the other half of that equation, but we're not a nation of um, passers. The difference between a lawful immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. And listen to the accusations that fly if you dare suggest that we enforce our immigration laws. It's astonishing. And what's more astonishing is I watched the May Day Parade and I, and I wrote articles about this for both CAPSWeb.org and Front Page Magazine was about the May Day parades. I, I, I'm calling them the mayhem parades. You had people demonstrating in some places there was violence and destruction of property. Workers' rights, workers' rights. And then at the same time chanting and demanding that Trump not be allowed to enforce the immigration laws, that the United States should no, should no longer have borders, that the United States should open up the system and protect the immigrants, and on and on. And I have to tell you that back when President George W. Bush was in the White House, he attempted to enact a program of a guest worker program. I added a tagline, one word. I called it the guest worker amnesty program. In those days, Lou Dobbs was over at CNN. Uh, I was a regular on Lou's show. I was averaging three or four appearances per month, plus although without attribution, um, he was using my articles on air. And I had written an article where I – came to refer to the George W. Bush guest worker program as the guest worker amnesty program. And Lou, using the megaphone of his cameras at CNN, uh, plus the stuff we wrote, it came to be known as the guest worker amnesty program. And I remember President Bush saying that he wanted to make the immigrants legal, And when I went out and did speaking engagements, and by the way, if any of you folks know of opportunities for speaking engagements, please let me know. Get a hold of me through michaelcutler.net. I frequently go around the United States and do speaking events on these issues. But I remember doing several events saying that for the president to offer to make immigrants legal is the equivalent of offering to make water wet. Water is wet. Immigrants are already legal. What George W. Bush was offering to do was to legalize millions of illegal aliens. And this is the kind of Orwellian newspeak that we have been hobbled with ever since Jimmy Carter. Changing the language to make an honest conversation impossible. To make an honest conversation impossible. This is the tactic of the safe spaces on college campuses. Let's keep everybody in the dark it's the mushroom treatment keep americans in the dark and feed them a lot of fertilizer so when we hear this nonsense and you see these protesters who are running around out there rapidly screaming oh the president is bad the president is evil stephen colbert said something i won't even repeat it it was disgusting Uh, and here's something i really want all of you to give some thought to this evening this is very very important I've never seen a time in American history when so many Americans did not want their president to do well, no matter who he was. It didn't matter who the president has been in the past. You want the president to be successful, because presumably, if the president is successful, as measured by the majority of Americans with the polls, and polls, I have real big issues with them. I've written articles about how we're shafted by the polls. But you'd like to believe that if the polls reflect that the American people are happy with the results that the administration is getting, no matter who the president is, then that means that America is going in the right direction. Today, you have people out there, and I'm talking about millions of people, and I don't know what in the world has happened to the Democratic Party. I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. I can't relate to that party, I have got to tell you. I have my problems with the Republicans as well. I hate both political parties. As far as I'm concerned, both parties are corrupt organizations. But to have millions of Democrats so adamant about hoping that the president of the United States fails, uh, need to understand that if he fails, America fails. This is not an era where we can play games. We're living in a very perilous era. And everyone should be cheering the president on that he be successful. And and let me give you an example about Labor Day. The people screaming about more higher wages and better jobs and better working conditions. That's exactly the results that we are getting because of this administration. Because of the immigration policies of the president of the United States, we're getting what I would have to refer to as deterrence through enforcement. And, in fact, in one of the instances, and this is really significant, um, Bar Harbor, this was in, in um, the Bangor Daily News reporting, this is April 28th, that they're unable to attract the same workers to come back on H-2B visas. You heard of H-1B, the high-tech? H-2B are the people that do the more mundane jobs, the waiters and waitresses and cooks and chambermaids in the hotels and so forth. So those workers are are having a more difficult time now because of quotas that have been established and so forth. And so what they said in this article, and I've just written a piece, I hope it's going to be published soon um, on um, Front Page magazine. But what's what's remarkable to me is that as these May Day protesters are out there screaming about jobs and wages, up in Bangor, Maine – They're complaining they can't get enough foreign workers, so guess what they're going to have to do? Shock of shocks, they're going to have to hire Americans. And to make certain they can attract enough Americans, they're going to have to raise the wages. And they're upset about it, the employers. Now, understand that under the H-2B visa program, they're not supposed to hire foreign workers if Americans are available And they're not supposed to use the program to drive down wages, but of course they've been using it to drive down wages. And who has turned this around? President Trump. No president in recent years has taken this sort of decisive pro-worker action. And you have these fools out there, these useful idiots, if you will, protesting immigration policies that at their foundation are going to get more Americans working and make wages go up. And you have these fools out there protesting what the president is doing. I have to tell you, folks, this is incomprehensible. And then what I've written for both CAPS and for Front Page Magazine is about uh, this office that the president created called VOICE, Victims of Immigration um, Criminal um, Engagement. And, and so, and let me get this right, forgive me, victims of immigration crimes engagement. Now, you, you look at that and you say to yourself, why hasn't this been done before? Why is it that for years, every time and to this day, when you hear about immigration, all we hear about what's in the best interest of the aliens. One lawyer wrote a piece saying that what the, immigrant, what the immigrants want, again, using that term, is to not be deported but to be legalized. Well, I'm glad that that's what they want. What does the average American want? What does the average American want? I was just reading where in New York there's a shortage of pre-K programs for children. They're overcrowded. And you realize that New York City has become a magnet for illegal aliens. So how many children are flooding into schools who are either themselves illegal aliens or born to illegal alien parents and shouldn't be in the United States but for the fact that their parents managed to come here, and they're being concealed from ICE detection by New York City's policies, so the schools are overflowing. It's costing a hell of a lot of money. President, uh, Mayor de Blasio um, says that his goal is to put every child in a pre-K program from the age of three, and I think, and I, I don't want him to speak, but I believe he said that it would cost a billion dollars. A billion dollars. How many of those children are children born to aliens who are here illegally? And, and I know that it, it, it sounds mean-spirited, but when you have a limited budget and when you can't provide quality education for American citizens, then you've got to ask yourself, what are we doing? I believe in charity, but you don't give to charity when your own children are going to bed hungry at night. I believe in educating children – but what, about, what happens to American children who have learning disabilities? The autism rates are off the chart. I have a son who has autism, thank God, because of early intervention. Um, he's doing stuff I could never have imagined, uh, studying engineering and so forth. We're fortunate. But without early intervention, this wouldn't have been possible. Why on earth are we so hell-bent? on flooding America with students from other countries or with children from people who shouldn't have been able to remain in the country and kids, American children living in poverty, aren't getting the economic, the uh, educational opportunities to bootstrap them into economic success. Education is vital where we are doing such damage to our own people because We've been sold a bill of goods, a bunch of lies, by the fraudsters in politics, in what's supposed to be journalism. These aren't journalists. Pollsters who twist the results by the way they ask the questions and the options that they provide that are non-options. And then they have the chutzpah to go out there and, and talk about the, the findings of their scientific survey, scientific, my backside. This is all skewed against the average American. And if you want to talk about racism, look at the poverty in America's minority communities. Look at this nonsense of trivializing civil rights by talking about how illegal aliens are entitled to civil rights and ignoring the fact that civil rights legislation was initially enacted to right the myriad of wrongs committed because of slavery. Think about that. Specifically, the civil rights legislation was about American blacks, period. No other group. It was eventually expanded. And that's fine. You want everyone to be treated equally and fairly. But specifically, this was about undoing the wrongs of slavery and segregation. That's what that legislation was about. And now you look at the black leadership talking about illegal aliens being entitled. Being entitled to what? Being entitled to what? Let's remember why we got legislation in the first place. To try to set things on an even keel After the the, the insanity of slavery and and racism And this now is something that we're going to extend To anybody who comes here by any means possible Anybody present in the United States Is certainly entitled to human rights And certainly entitled to due process You're charged with a crime You're entitled to due process For two reasons or three reasons Number one, it's un-American to not do it that way Justice is supposed to be blind and equal to all. Number two, if you have an unscrupulous prosecutor, and we've seen such individuals, that woman in Baltimore, a great example for what she did with the cops, and there are others, unfortunately. Every profession suffers from the good, the bad, and the ugly. But if you have an unscrupulous prosecutor looking to score high levels of kill rates, if you will, successful prosecutions, and if you make it easier that is to say, provide less protection to illegal aliens in the criminal justice system, unscrupulous prosecutors are then likely to target illegal alien defendants and get them convicted for crimes they did not commit. That's not justice. That flies in the face of justice, and it's disgusting, and I don't even want to imagine a world where that could possibly happen where anybody could be an advocate for that kind of madness. But from another perspective, Once a case is quote-unquote solved, then the police no longer are looking for the criminal. I mean, what's the point? The person that supposedly did the crime is in jail. If people are wrongly charged and convicted because they're illegal aliens and they would be easier to convict if they did not have due process, then the bad guy would still be out there attacking more victims. So the idea is that the system demands that criminal justice be equal no matter what your immigration status is. And I'm a firm believer in that, firm believer. So due process, human rights, absolutely. But when you start to talk about the full spectrum of civil rights, being a full participant in a society, when your very presence in our country represents a violation of some of America's most fundamental laws, then we are in a very different situation then you really have to wonder at the sanity of those folks who could possibly be proponents of that kind of madness. But yet we see it all the time. You see it all the time where you have politicians who instead of representing their constituents are representing illegal aliens. It really needs to stop. And the American people are entitled to the truth. The founding fathers of this country understood democracy depends on a well-educated and well-informed electorate. So-called journalists are failing their profession, they are failing our democracy, they're failing America and Americans if they're not telling the truth. Realistically, people do bring prejudice to every story they tell all sorts of prejudice it's unfortunate but life alters how we see the universe if you ate a particular kind of meat or fish and and, and three or four times you ate the same thing and three or four times you got deathly ill then you might cringe if someone said let's go have flounder you know that kind of thing oh my god last time I had flounder and and so that person might shy away from flounder in a manner of speaking that's a form of prejudice if you want to call it that, prejudging saying, oh boy, I, I know what happened the last time I had that food. So it can happen in a, in a, in a wide array of, of situations. And unfortunately, people allow past experiences to, to alter their, what should be their objective views of the universe. That's just human nature. Life alters how we see things as we have experiences. So anybody who's rational and intelligent should be getting news from multiple sources, To kind of counterbalance any inherent prejudice or maybe not so readily evident prejudice that a reporter may bring to a story. But when you look at the language being used by the reporters today, it's impossible to get objective news with the kind of language we're using. When we start to talk about America as a nation of immigrants, and these are all immigrants, and we're talking about illegal aliens, you've immediately tilted the table when you refer to people who favor open borders and no immigration law enforcement and sanctuary cities and then call them pro-immigrant and when you say that people like myself are anti-immigrant because we support secure borders effective immigration law enforcement and an immigration system that has integrity and instead of saying well my cutler is pro-enforcement that's accurate and fair what do they do Mike Cutler is anti immigrant. Now, I'll tell you how bad that is. Back in college, I was a president in a Jewish service organization known as the B'nai B'rith. One of the arms of the B'nai B'rith, one of its subdivisions, is the Anti Defamation League. I was very proud to be a member of the B'nai B'rith. We collected money for a bunch of charities um, St. Um, um, Jude's Hospital. St. Jude's Hospital started by Danny Thomas. Uh, was one uh, place that we worked our tails off to get them as much money as possible. Um, they, 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 They do great work. And so we would do all these things, and we went to Washington a number of times to try to get, and this was under President Lyndon B. Johnson, Lyndon Baines Johnson, to get the Russians to let Jews and other religious minorities come out of Russia and go to any country that would have them, including the United States. And when I was an immigration inspector, I was thrilled to admit refugees. It was emotional for them, it was emotional for me, and I felt we'd close the circle. So when I hear this nonsense that I'm anti-immigrant, today, for example, when you look at Syrian refugees, and from what I've been reading, increasingly Afghan refugees, when we are unable to get the records of these folks and vet them and know who's who, when you find out that ISIS has overrun government buildings in Syria, and have stolen blank passports, blank driver's licenses, and the printing machinery used by the government to produce these documents, and you realize that ISIS is now cranking these documents out in fake names, that's a problem. When John Brennan, who under the prior administration was the head of the CIA, talking about how at congressional hearings under oath, he spoke or testified about how ISIS was embedding terrorists in refugee flows. James Comey testified at a number of hearings, along with Michael Steinbeck, the head of, of counterterrorism at the FBI. They both talked about um, the inability to vet these people overseas. Well, if you can't vet them, how do we admit them? And if you dare suggest that we ought to be careful, because it doesn't take that many terrorists to create uh, you know, havoc, 19 young men barely out of their teens. I keep saying it, but I'm compelled to say it again. On 9-11, it was 19 terrorists that racked up more casualties than did the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. So when you look at those numbers, and you look at the media, and they're always looking at it through the perspective of the illegal alien or the illegal alien's family. And I have to tell you, it's infuriating. It's infuriating when I testified at the murder trial of a Panamanian um, who was on trial for killing a 24-year-old police officer. It's infuriating when you look at all the other cases that I have knowledge of that involved aliens who shouldn't have been here. My friend Don Rosenberg, whose son was killed by an illegal alien in San Francisco. You know, you look at these murders, these senseless deaths, you look at the carnage, and you say to yourself, How is it that politicians who took an oath to defend the Constitution, who promised their constituents that they would look out for their best interests, are doing anything but? How is it that under the Clinton administration and under the Obama administration, they would have stakeholder meetings where immigration was concerned, but the stakeholders never included anybody who either represented the Uh, enforcement personnel or the average american citizen stakeholders to clinton and obama were the immigration lawyers the refugee groups the various churches corporations that wanted cheap labor but nobody ever stood up and said wait a moment we represent the ice agents and we can't do our job effectively we represent the border patrol agents we can't do our job successfully There was no one standing up for the average American who said, you know, because of the H-1B visa program, high-tech American workers who've worked for decades for major corporations, loyally, successfully, professionally, are being fired and replaced with people from India and elsewhere because the salaries are being lowered. You didn't see that at those stakeholder meetings. That's the irony. The DREAM Act for Illegal Aliens. Don't dare say the word alien, but the word A in in DREAM is alien, alien minors, right? But everyone talks about, oh, these poor aliens, and you've got schools giving free school to illegal aliens and ignoring the plight of Americans living in poverty. The hell with the American kids. They don't matter. They're disposable. They're disposable. Let's take care of people from other countries and ignore Americans. And if you wonder why Donald Trump won, that's why he won. And when you look at stupidity in action, people screaming at the the mayhem demonstrations, screaming,
1: better wages,
0: more jobs, better benefits, right? And then they start to scream against Donald Trump's immigration policies that are starting to succeed. Wages are going up. Jobs are being liberated. Aliens are being deterred from entering illegally, which makes the streets safer. How in the world could any American take issue with putting Americans first where immigration is concerned? Our immigration laws have nothing to do with race. And if you look at the way it's portrayed in the media, we hear about the Latino voter, another big lie. It's a matter of racism to talk about Latinos that way, or any group, the Jewish voter, the black voter, the Christian voter. If you're wearing a Star of David, or if you're wearing a cross, or if you have black skin, or if your name is Rodriguez, then we don't need to know anything more about you. If that isn't a disgusting, despicable, nauseating form of prejudice and bigotry, then I don't know what is. This is profiling at its worst. And we hear it every day of the week. The so-called journalists that would literally have a cow if someone even suggested that a police officer engaged in profiling, and some profiling in law enforcement is not only appropriate but has been upheld by the courts, if you take multiple factors into account, the person's appearance, the time of day, the location, the proximity, for example, to drug trafficking locations, there's a whole host of factors that go in, and then your profile, that's reasonable when journalists simply talk about latino voters what they really are saying is if you're a latino then we don't need to know anything more about you we have everything we need to know who you are does that sound like america does that sound fair or reasonable of course it's not but this is the narrative that has been crafted to obfuscate the issue to confound any possibility that we can have an honest conversation about the immigration crisis, and I assure you it is a crisis. And if you look at how the news is portraying all of this, I have to tell you, it sickens me and it worries me. If you have millions of foreign nationals living inside your country, if you have no way of knowing that they're here or who they are, or who they're affiliated with, or what their backgrounds are, then you are endangering national security and public safety and the overall well-being of your citizens. And I wrote about it, and I, I talked about it last week, but, you know, in New York City, and this is something that I agree with Mayor de Blasio, he was very upset that he's been complaining about this for quite some time, and I agree with him, okay? Maybe that sounds like a shocker. But he said that the New York City Police Department needs to to be providing the housing authority here in New York with information about the gangsters, the drug dealers, and the criminals who live in public housing because under the law they're not supposed to live in public housing. So very properly, Mayor de Blasio said, okay, the police department needs to get that information to housing, and we need to streamline the eviction process. It takes months. It shouldn't take more than a couple of weeks. If you're a gang member, a drug dealer, or a criminal, we're going to throw you the hell out of public housing because it is dangerous for the residents of public housing to live with criminals, drug dealers, and gang members. And you know what? de Blasio is 101% right on that issue. But if you believe that, I'd love to confront him and say, Mayor, if you believe that that's right, and I, I agree with you, then why on earth would you not want to, in a manner of speaking, evict criminal aliens from the United States of America? And this business about splitting up families, let's dispel that nonsense, okay? How many people right now, American citizens, are sitting in jail for nonviolent crimes even though they have children and, and families? Think about that. Think about the guy that commits tax evasion or the guy that does something else, white-collar crime, nobody hurts, but he committed a violation of law and he's sentenced to go to jail for years, and his kids are going to grow up without him or her or her. Mothers and fathers are sitting in jail right now. And the judge didn't say, oh, my gosh, you have a child, so I can't possibly put you in prison. That doesn't happen. That does not happen. And sometimes, especially in the federal system, the prisoner is moved to a location far away from where the family lives. So the kids maybe get to see the father once how often? So understand the nonsense about splitting up families from that perspective. There goes that argument. Now, if you have a child born to illegal alien parents in the United States, generally those children are dual nationals. They are citizens of the United States because of the current interpretation of the 14th amendment but they're also citizens generally of the country of citizenship of their parents so if you deport the parents the child has an option the child can go back to the home country with the parents or the child can stay in the united states with a friend or a family member until that child is an adult or the child can bounce back and forth because we under our immigration laws are not able to block the entry of an American back into the United States. Americans may not be prevented from entering the United States. Aliens, of course, can be. So if you have a child whose parents are illegal aliens and we deport the parents, the child has opportunities. Furthermore, think of how many children die on the way to the United States when they are smuggled across the desert. Uh, Think about the temperature of the desert lack of water, poisonous insects, poisonous snakes, the banditos, the list goes on, all the terrible things that could happen, the number of bodies found in the desert, horrible. And some of those bodies are children because they were brought there, put into that situation by their parents. Now, I understand the parents are desperate, but what America is doing is serving as a safety valve for some very unscrupulous governments like the government of Mexico. And it's not just Mexico. We see it with Asia and elsewhere. But Mexico in particular, because their citizens run the border right across the the river from us, right the Rio Grande, let's say, or, or land sections. But Mexico has the 16th or 17th largest economy in the world. Why then is there such rampant poverty? Well, the answer is easy. Mexico is an oligarchy. And because it's an oligarchy, because it's an oligarchy the wealth of the country is controlled by a handful of people and increasingly america is becoming an oligarchy as well so instead of america being a role model to mexico mexico has become america's role model and then you look at what donald trump has had to say about all of this and incredibly donald trump the first president in decades from either party is saying let's put Americans first. Let's not just bring American uh, jobs back to America, but let's see to it that those jobs are done by American hands. That's a, a, a beautiful way of looking at it, because I can't think of the last time that I heard a president say that, going back to when I first got my badge in 1971. It's not enough to bring jobs back to America, but the jobs must be done by American hands. And so the Mayhem Day demonstrators out there screaming about Trump on the one hand and labor and working conditions and wages on the other hand don't seem to get it. If only they would understand that the immigration policies of this administration provide ample benefits to American workers, more opportunities, more jobs, and better wages. And when you have a president who for the first time creates this office of advocacy for the victims of criminal aliens, how could anybody be upset? People should say, finally, finally, you have a president who is putting the desires of the citizens of the United States above all others. That's what countries are supposed to do. In exchange for the allegiance that we have for our country The government needs to match that allegiance for its citizens. We the people. We the people. That's a a statement of populism. We the people. And for years, and we still hear it, and we also hear this nonsense from the libertarians. Oh, companies should have the right to hire anybody they want. I heard that when I was on TV yesterday on Newsmax. I had an interesting conversation with the other guest on the show. I said, no, it doesn't work that way because the U.S. government has to provide visas and if you provide visas to foreign workers who take the jobs of Americans, then it's America that's undermining its own people and that is not acceptable. And that's why I feel so strongly about what is going on in America today and about what should be going on in America today. First and foremost, the American people need to have a sense that the government stands behind them and stands with them. What's probably sadder than anything else is that that notion could be controversial. What's sadder than anything else is that we have members of the United States government and members of local government who don't agree with that fundamental principle. I find it remarkable that legislators, lawmakers as they are sometimes called are advocates for law breakers. How could anybody go to work and say to the public, go ahead, violate the laws we're writing? Um, imagine you 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 pour your heart and soul into a painting and someone desecrates it. Would you be happy? Could you imagine an artist saying to somebody, yeah, Slip my painting up in multiple pieces with that knife. Cut it up. I don't care. We're going to pass the laws, but you can violate the laws. That's okay. It's psychosis, I swear, when you stop and think about statements made by politicians whose profession is to write laws, and then they're eager to see the laws of America be turned into a mockery. What in the world is wrong with that picture? something for you to contemplate uh, next time you have uh, some free time. You know, as always, I uh, I, I want to thank you for, uh, for joining me on my program, the Michael Cutler Hour. For me, this is a labor of love. Uh, I hope that this program provides you with the kind of uh, perspectives that you're not getting anywhere else, the fact that you're not getting anywhere else. Please go to my website, michaelcutler.net, go to capsweb.org, frontpagemag.com, and the social contract. I'm particularly proud of the two articles that I contributed to their publication. Uh, They're lengthy, they're extensive, they're in-depth, and um, I I took a hard look at the way that um, our politicians and others have been deceiving Americans the way that aliens who game the immigration system commit fraud against the government. In a very real sense, members of our government have been committing fraud against the citizens of America, where sanctuary cities and other such issues are concerned. Knowledge is power. I hope my program empowers you. In any event, I thank you for joining me. I hope you will join me again next week, same time, same place, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. And please, folks, Remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week. So long for now.